It's the Slapboost Show. Number 12. We have a dozen uh, Slapboost now. Robert Green is our guest. We yes. have known him for a little while. We worked for him years ago. He's, well, he's an author. We don't mention that right away. A best-selling author. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't know his name, but you probably know his books. Mm-hmm. He's author of The 48 Laws of Power. The Art of Seduction. And the 33 strategies of war mm-hmm. and collaboration with 50 cent it's the 50th law yes he he dropped off uh, copies mm-hmm. a few days ago this is yours they're great they're, they look like little beebles it does look like a beeble i was reading mine at a starbucks and i was very proud to be reading a beeble looking book that was co-authored by 50 cent oh he signed it too. he did yeah. um he also gave us a movie I think he did. He mention it in there. He does. Yes, we talked about the big sleep, and he dropped it off. He yes, that's a exciting. Copy. We're going to have a little screening. Yeah, he's fascinating uh, man, and very smart, ex- very smart, very accessible. Yes. Um, to us, I don't know to about us, everybody yeah, I d- else. Yeah, don't know about the rest of the world, no. but um, out in the world, you know, he has this reputation for being, uh, you know, like a mastermind. He can seduce from a look. Mm-hmm. No, that's stupid. <laughs> he can seduce from a smell. I mean, smile. He can uh, wage a war on you. Mm-hmm. Well, you won't even know until no. you're destroyed. Yes, he's a powerful, 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 yeah. powerful man. And it's all true, but he's also very funny. And yes. uh, it was a pleasure to have him. Um, Fifi, how was your week this week? It was uh, very exciting uh, today. Um I turned on the shower, you know, then I uh, look in the mirror and stuff and get the, you know, get the water warm. I look in the shower, there was a spider. Okay. It All right. Now we've gotten somewhere good. Yes. He was a, he was a longy, but he was a drowned and I freak out because I had not checked to see if there was a spider and now I have killed the spider. I turn off the shower, I grab a tissue, I put it near the spider. Uh, I'm so scared. My heart is pumping. Uh, he reaches up uh, one leg and then two leg and grab onto the tissue and I move him to the windowsill and uh, halfway through my shower I peek out and uh, he's gone. You peeked out? I peeked out. I peeked out of the shower. Mm-hmm. He's not on his tissue. I have second freak out. I find him later on a towel. I put him outside. How was your week? Uh. Try to top it. Uh, I like your try to top it face. <laughs> it's m- it actually, it does remind me a lot of the top that girl. Uh, uh, we, are, we are not Witch. speaking anymore. <laughs> we are not on speaking terms for you the rest of te- our life. Teen Witch, right? <laughs> top that. Top that. I don't even give a about trying to top that. Um, our mummy got that for us one summer to entertain us. <laughs> She's, she brings us American film. <laughs> and, it, and we're like, oh my goodness, this is what Americans is like. <laughs> they break, they get possessed in the break out into uh, these raps <laughs> in the middle of the street. Uh, everyone has a boombox and uh, cool hair. Mm-hmm. The, the guy was not possessed, was he? Just a girl, right? But he... She made a boy fall in love with her. No, no, but don't stop that. Oh, the no. That yeah, no, she must have been. I think she just woke up. She wants to talk to them. They're already in the mix. But wh- how did she get the power to do it? From rap? Teen Wolf. Teen Witch. <laughs> <laughs> but the boys, they weren't possessed by Teen Witch. I don't remember. They're just BB, cool. We need okay. <laughs> All right. Once we watch Big Sleep and then we watch Teen Witch. Okay, Except good. for the part about Teen Witch. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Uh, Fifi? Yes? Don't ask me about it. Did the results come in or no? Oh, you think I was going to ask you more about the spider? Um, <laughs> <laughs> was it like... Yeah, I put him outside. I'm not sure where. He's brown. He's a little skinny. The results have not come in. And uh, what Bibi is referring to was uh, about a week ago, I asked her if she'd stick a small brush into her cheek. And she said yes. No, nope. I'd fast you. Nope. After all, we are identical twins. Well, I sure hope so. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this to our audience, but uh, before I was considered the uh, more drunk twin. Since Bibi has met her hobo, I'm going to say that she is a more drunk twin. And uh, she is constantly coming over with the moonshine on her breath. Yes? You're going to deny it? No. Okay. I'm worried. I worry for Bibi and I decide uh, what if I need to give her one of my livers. It is a scary thought and... uh, we do a transplant. What if we are not identical twins? So as a concerned twin who wants to maybe be able to help out her twin, I decided it's finally time that we take the identical twin test. So I swab her cheek, I send it in, and we are now waiting for the results. This is a true story. We, uh, we were hoping to get results, but uh, they have not come in yet. So next week, next time we do this, you're going to know whether or not we are identical twins. Pretty interesting, no? Yes. Okay, well, I say that we uh, get started on the podcast, yes? Listen to us on uh, Stitcher Radio. Uh, you download app for your iPhone or as a smartphone, and you can listen to any podcast or talk show or whatever you want. Live radio, it's Live all there. Live radio. You just sl- slap in the slap booth show with your typing. Mm-hmm. Check us out on iTunes. We uh, love your support. Any comments or whatever you want to do. Yes. A Lucha Vavum 10th anniversary show may be sold out by now, but if it's not, if you're going to go to one Lucha Vavum, go to this one. It's a, We've been with the show for 10 years and we're very proud. To we, we are the only original performers from the well, first show. Rita yes? de Albert, who's yes. also the producer, she also uh, performs. So original performer, yes, but aside from her, we're the only original ones. Uh, Plainzo is also. Plainzo, uh, yes. yes. And. Oh, Marquia Baby. Uh, we're going to be f- performing again at uh, Hip Kitty on August 10th. So, yes, the wow. day after Lucha Vavum 10th anniversary on the 9th. And now we start the podcast with the Robert, Robert Green. You, you can take them off if you want. Not after she just humiliated me. I humi- how, how I do that? <laughs> you said you said if you're going to be a baby about yeah, it. Yeah, I did say that. Are you going to be a baby or not? <laughs> you can be. You can be whatever you want to be on our podcast. <laughs> kind of exciting. You're I forgot my diaper, though. My adult diaper. Uh, um, do you have any... Uh, I do not. You're smushing Randall. No. It's Randolph, I thought. Is no. it Randall or Randall? It depends on, you know, when you get to know him, you know. But Randolph is fine. How well do you know him? Oh, um, I feel like I've known him a long time, you know. I had a, when I was a a baby, Mm -hmm. to go back to that popular subject, I had a a little tiger. That was my, instead of a teddy bear, I had a tiger. Mm. Significant, I think. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what, what does it mean? I think it's indicative of a personality traits. Uh Uh-huh. You mean that I was in love with my mother, or what? For one, yes. Okay. Uh, obviously. Um, anyway, this tiger had an eye missing. There were like little kind of pieces of 
jewel or I thought they were jewels mm -hmm. and there was an eye missing mm -hmm. and I was in love with this tiger I thought the eye missing just made it so so adorable you know and so I guess Randall Randolph kind of reminded me of, of that it would be the kind of thing that I would take with me everywhere and kind of drool on you know I, I drooled a lot when I was a baby do you want to uh, describe <laughs> Randolph for the audience the listening audience I don't know if if Randolph is supposed to be a cell phone or a remote control. <laughs> He's a, a robot a, of some sort. Or a robot? Yes, I, that's what I think. Oh, I thought he was a cell phone. <laughs> a very cute cell phone. Um, maybe he's a robot. He's got, you know, um, he kind of looks like those robots from the 50s mm -hmm. sci-fi movies, you know. He's just very adorable. And then also... Sometimes I mispronounce my own name and instead of saying Robert, I say robot. Oh, oh. oh so okay. I kind of, or other people hear it that way. So I sort of, you know, associate myself with robot. I think that's probably more what mm. it's about. You, you've been mistaken for robot green before. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then I also tend to say robot instead of robot. Robot? Yeah, like a robot. Is, there, is a robot something? Well, I used to, I call robots robots, mm -hmm. well, at least when I was a kid. Anyway, those, these are all kind of Freudian associations that Randolph, Randolph just sparks in me. And of you course, know. in the back of him, there's a pocket with a heart in it. Yes. Oh, I forgot about Which that. Which is probably the most important. That's kind of, that kind of ruins the whole thing. <laughs> you know, um, for me at least. But, uh, oh, it has a shutdown button. That's nice, activate shutdown. What, yeah. what happens when you push the buttons? Actually, nothing. Hmm. Nothing happens. He's a plush. Um... The, the other thing that reminds... I'm sorry if you want me to go on. I feel like I'm... Hmm? Was I had is a, a three-year-old, four-year-old. I had a Rock'em Sock'em robot. Mm -hmm. Do you know those? Mm -hmm. You the, played with those? Little no. fighting things. Yeah, yes. they fought. They made this... <laughs> kind of noise. And then he kind of looks a little bit like Rock'em Sock'em. So it's really a, an aggression, uh, regression situation yes. that's happening right now. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm proud that we can make you that comfortable. You know that you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you uh, seem very happy at the moment. <laughs> just, just stop me if I start to drool. Um, yeah, I might start crying or telling you things that are a little bit embarrassing. But I have some very comfortable things. Perfect. Oh, good. We notice you're smiling a lot. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's a smile. You, you don't normally smile. Is that right? You hate to smile? Is that? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, when I was starting, I finished the Forty Eight Laws of Power, and I had no idea what it was going to be like to be on like television and things like that. I was a little bit nervous, mm -hmm. so I thought I would take an acting class. Oh yeah! Boy, was that embarrassing! <laughs> and um, the teacher's name was such an actor teacher's name, Ned Mandarino. Oh. And um, is this in Los Angeles? Or? Oh yeah, uh -huh. and it, you know, and he, the class—it was just so ridiculous. It was like, imagine that there is a jackhammer on your right shoulder and a seagull. I, these instructions about how you were supposed to feel it was just—I just couldn't understand it. And everybody took it very seriously. Anyway, I just had this feeling that whenever I was in the class and I smiled. It was so fake, and it made me look really weak and kind of like a 
like an imbecile. And I, got, I think I got self-conscious about from that class oh. about smiling. It was acting smiles that you did? <laughs> yeah, they were acting smiles. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's a, look oh, at that you. smile, though. That's a... <laughs> um, so, I would have bought that smile, even though your eyes look like you're about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, somehow I think they don't take you so seriously when you smile a lot. But maybe that'll change. And since nobody can see me, now I can smile as much as I like. Mm -hmm. That's true. Look at that. Well, we want to thank you for coming to uh -huh. this podcast. Are we, uh, are we on? Oh, yes, we are. Oh. Yes. You came over last week for pre-interview, just because we had not seen you for a while. We want Maybe. to catch up. And uh, you agreed to do this without listening to the podcast or... Or any, even knowing what it was, yes. that it was not... Uh, yeah, once I listened, I had a few regrets, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> but you signed papers that say you cannot back out, yes. or that we get to um, yes. take over your home. Yes, so. okay. But still, we thank you for coming. Oh, you could have made welcome. this very difficult for us. You could have found someone else. No, absolutely. You live in Hollywood. You live all these celebrities. You could just pull somebody off the street, and they would probably be some actor, somebody writing a screenplay, oh. and it'd be kind of interesting. In fact, I think that would be a good sort of show where you just... Get somebody off the street and interview them. Robert, we wanted you. All right. We do have a bit of a history with you. Yes. We've known you for a while. Um, we met you at a library. Is that true? Yes, it was the uh, Hollywood Library. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember it like it was yesterday, practically. I was researching the war book. Yes. Um, I followed up seduction with war, which is mm -hmm. sort of a natural progression. And I was, uh, the Hollywood Library has a fabulous military section. I think there must be like a lot of retired generals who live in the Hollywood mm. area or something like that. And I was searching through the military section and you two uh, ladies were cleaning. Yes. You, now people may not know that that you do these services. Yeah. You were dusting and mm -hmm. vacuuming and cleaning the, the library, and you happened to be in the military section when I was there. Yes. And I remember, I can't remember if it was Fifi or Bibi or Cece, what are you, Fifi? Fifi. Yeah, Fifi. Um, you were, I was saying, could excuse me, can I get to see, the, I'm looking for the, the Karl von Clausewitz section. Mm -hmm. And you said, oh, Karl von Clausewitz, one of my... F oh, no, you have a French accent. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> Karl von Clausewitz, one of my favorite writers. And I was r really impressed because mm -hmm. not many um, people of the female gender know about Karl von Clausewitz. Right, that's true. And uh, you, you just dazzled me. You knew everything about the culminating point of victory, the mm -hmm. center of gravity, the mm -hmm. Schwerpunkt, the mm -hmm. Vereinpunkt. Mm -hmm. So, and then that kind of just sparked it, and we went on from that to Sun Tzu and all these other things. And nobody uh, usually asks me about this topic, so I was uh -huh. very excited to speak of it. Uh-huh. What is your favorite von Clausewitz strategy, if oh, I might ask? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, uh, you can't do that to me. You can't do that to me. I have to pick one. <laughs> this is interview about you, not about oh, Fifi's oh. passions. Yes. All right. I don't want... I will we'll be do here. that off camera. We'll be here all day. Off That's what we're going to do. Okay. So um, you... You were impressed by that, but you seem to be more impressed by the fact that we could clean and you had us come over to your home. You got us to do some freelancing mm -hmm. over at your home. <clears throat> your cleaning skills were pretty good. Were pretty good. Um, Just pretty good? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, you know, dusting is, a, is an art like <laughs> anything. I mean, yes. you have some aspects were good. You were pretty good with using that oil on the wood. That was mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. But your dusting was so... Yeah. But, um, you know, you have other talents and you shouldn't just have your self-esteem 
connected to your cleaning skills. You can do Thank other you. things very Thank well. You. Maybe dust. Maybe you weren't meant to dust. Well, uh, <clears throat> we've traded dusting for interviewing. So mm -hmm. may we mention that you had a, a person living in your house that we got to meet and work with? Mm -hmm. may, may we? It is uh, Anna Biller. My, girl my girlfriend. Yes. Mm -hmm. We she mentioned her in uh, the Chris Gore. Uh, interview number six. Mm -hmm. We talk at length about Viva. Oh, Chris Gore. Yes. yes. He's a big him. fan of Viva. He came yes. over to my place. He saw Viva on the bookshelf. Oh. Went crazy. And then uh -huh. he was even more impressed to know that I was in the film uh -huh. and if he was in the film. And uh -huh. so we had a big interview about that. But oh, um, well, let's get back and to. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. I want to get back to Robert, but you had something to say. No, I mean, it's just that we're now we're all big one family. Yes. And, um, it's you true. Know, and we have. Uh, hot tub sessions and you know and it's good for the keg thinking, parties right? yes. and things like that mm -hmm. anyway like, go on no we like to relax mm -hmm. yeah those are good ways to do it yes yes okay so robert came over last week and he told us some stories his on this on the professional level because usually it's just casual you know that's true. friend chat yes and mm -hmm. um, uh, he's working on a new book he just finished yes he, he did finish he that. did finish it yes. he finished it a few <laughs> months ago you have five books now is that right this is the fifth book, right? The first one is called uh, 48 uh, Laws of Power. Oui. Second oh, one. Or Les 48 Lois du Pouvoir. Oui, mm -hmm. oui. Comme tu veux. Oui. Uh, the mm. Art of Seduction is number second. <laughs> oui. Oui. C'est le deuxième. Oui. Mm -hmm. Then 33 Strategies of War. That's right. If Which is your favorite. favorite. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, after that, we have the 50th Law. No, there must be one in between. No, no there's not. No, I have it, it written down because yes. fifth one is mastery. That's the new but, one. But uh, so you're missing a number. Yes. What happened to the 48, 49th law? Where is that? Um, I don't know. Maybe if I'm, I'm always worried. You know, years down the road that I'm broke. Mm -hmm. Like the world has moved past me, and I have no money, and I'm got a hot dog stand downtown or something. Or How I'm, nice! <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That's kind of a fantasy. And I'm really desperate. Well, I can always now pull out the 49th law oh and come out with that. That's brilliant. Isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I'm saving it. I see. For, That's understandable. For a really a bad moment in my life. What, uh, mm. what happens if there's a 49 cent? That, uh, <laughs> a rap star? Because we should explain 50th law is mm -hmm. your uh -huh. collaboration with the 50 cent. That's right. I don't know. You ask a very... I hadn't thought of that. Well, think think about it. Yeah. Back burner. Okay. Yeah. And then after... <laughs> 49 cent. I don't think that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> not a protégé? It doesn't sound good? No. <laughs> well, you know, at some point, 50 cent might not have sound like a, a viable... Uh, rap star either. Yeah, winding <laughs> for uh -huh. a rap star, but... Uh, well, you know where the name 50 cent came from? No. Um, it's kind of a boring story, but I'll tell it anyway. Oh, please. Um, there was a, a hold-up artist who lived in Brooklyn named 50 Cent. And he was kind of a legend because he was just a master at getting people on the street and holding them up and getting money. I don't know how he became so famous for that. His name was 50 Cent. And that's where 50 took his name from. Oh. Uh, he had some, I don't know, there was some reason why he, he identified with, with this guy. But I used to live uh, back in the day in, in Fort Greene. Um, my girlfriend and I at the time, we were the only white people in the neighborhood. This is a true, true story. And... Um, we were lived right on the border of Bedford Stuyvesant, which is where 50, the Fifty Cent. Anyway, I know for a fact that one day I was held up by the Fifty Cent, mm, wow. and that's sort of fate. You know, it's kind of a, oh, wow. one of those woo-woo moments in life. <laughs> so I did, little did I know that over twenty years later I would be 
working with another 50 Cent. Wow. How, how did you begin to work with 50 Cent? Well, um, he contacted me, I think it was in 06 or so, and he's a huge fan of the 48 Laws of Power and, uh, and the Art of Seduction. And, uh, you know, the book was kind of big in the, in the rap world mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons. Which As, reasons? Well, you know, uh, black musicians have been like the most exploited artists in history. And, and even rap stars in the 80s and 90s, they were kind of, you know, hired guns and they had no, they didn't own anything. And, and all the, the music companies would just, was massive exploitation of them. And, you know, you'd have one album, you'd get some money, but then they would kind of use you. Um, and you had no control over your career. So they were becoming really sort of entrepreneurial. They wanted to start their own labels. A lot of it predates 50. They wanted to start their own labels and kind of own their own music. And they were getting interested in business and in dealing with the sharks in the music industry, because there's nothing worse than the music industry. They've, you know, none of these people went to business school or anything. They found, they found themselves kind of overwhelmed. And the 48 Laws of Power came out at the right time uh, and it sort of helped them navigate that really ugly environment where their power plays are going on all the time. 50 used to tell me that, uh, you know, dealing with like Interscope and record labels was 10 times worse than dealing with people on the streets and in Queens. So that's sort of why they, they, uh, I, they liked the book and 50 himself really liked it a lot and he contacted me and I met him. And it was fun. It was kind of a funny experience because I was sort of nervous. You know, I'm just this kind of small white guy and <laughs> I'm not too down. I, I didn't know that world very well. You know, I don't, you know. So um, I was a little bit nervous. Anyway, mm -hmm. I'm meeting him in the back room of a steakhouse in Manhattan. And he's there with his whole entourage, mm -hmm. you know, with like eight other people, and I'm just by myself. Where, where was your entourage? I have no entourage. You are my entourage. And uh, and anyway, though, we had this really great rapport. I relaxed right away because he's kind of, he doesn't have much of an ego. He's sort of, actually, he seems kind of shy a little bit. Seems oh. like a nice guy. And I mean, he's very big and he's missing teeth and he's got this weird you know, covered in tattoos and a giant diamond bracelet and all these other things. And he was with his son and his son had a giant diamond bracelet and mm. was already looking more menacing than I would. And he was only like <laughs> eight years old. Um, but they were the night, he was so nice. And, uh, and the war book just come out and we had a nice talk about war. He's really into strategy mm. and Sun Tzu and all of that. So boy, I've really, talked up a storm Harry but maybe ask a question fantastic I no, love it no, okay. after you met him did you decide right away to have a collaboration because you had not collaborated before right oh we um well I'm not one for collaborating I kind of like to do things myself so I was actually the one who was a little bit reluctant to do it because mm -hmm. I didn't know um what he was like but then uh, I sort of thought about it and you know I'm kind of um there's one thing that I that's uh part of my philosophy, no, something I, I really is kind of important to me, which is I don't like recognizing barriers. I don't like distinguishing between things. So the fact that I come from a completely opposite world from him really excited me. Mm -hmm. And the idea of kind of finding a common ground and not thinking in terms of, you know, he's black from this other place and I'm white middle class from this other place. I've, I wanted to see what it was like 
where we were both human and, and where we could kind of uh, intersect our, our experiences and break down all this sort of bullshit people have about how different everybody is. Mm. Um, so as I thought about it, I kind of got excited by this idea of sort of putting my finger up at the world who would say, oh, how can these two people collaborate, you know, sort of thing, and just show them how we could collaborate. Because when we talked uh, about ideas, we had, we had a really good rapport. You when like, we talked about hip-hop, it wasn't so good. <laughs> you prefer hip-hop from, like, early 80s, right? And he's more of a, a 90s kind of guy? Well, um, you know, I was... I'm not... I'm going to come out of the closet and admit that I was raised on classical music. <laughs> and I love, like, jazz. I like, like, hardcore jazz, like Coltrane and Miles Davis. That's sort of my thing. Hardcore you know? jazz. I like hardcore that. Hardcore jazz. 60s. I love mm-hmm. 60s weird jazz, mm-hmm. like Bitches Brew and things like that. And, you know, I lived in New York in the early 80s. That was when I got held up by uh, V50 Cent. And so I was sort of around early hip-hop things, and I really got into, like, Run DMC and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I really was, I, by the uh, early 90s, I had lost touch. So I, I couldn't tell my Ja Rule from my Tupac. You know, <laughs> That's don't, okay. That's okay. Um, but, you know, I, I tell you one thing, though. Uh, when I was writing... Actually, I remember, uh, very funny or weird or nothing either, B.B. Uh, was saying that your brother was really into 50 Cent. And this was uh, way back, before I had met him, before I knew anything about him. You were talking about him, and I was thinking, oh, that's an interesting name. And I started looking up his music, and I was actually listening to a lot of his music when I wrote the war book, because it was so aggressive oh. and kind of... <clears throat> and like you know, Toy Soldier and Power, I forget the Power song, and I just kind of put it on and I'd get kind of angry. And, you know, <laughs> angry with a face like this. And then I would write the war book. He looks so really I, angry. Yeah, he so, does. So uh, 50 was, um, uh, I liked his music, but some of this other, uh, some of the other hip-hop is, I don't know, I don't know about. You don't have to collaborate with everybody. It's okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. If Ja Wool comes up to you, you can say, no, thank you. I, th- I always worried Ja Rule would come up to me with a gun and shoot my <laughs> shoot me straight through the eyes because I didn't portray him very ni- nicely in the 50th law. And he could be a very good person. I don't know. What What is the usual process for writing a book for you? Generally, as as I did at the Hollywood Library when I first met you on that fateful rainy morning mm-hmm. and so, sometime, I uh, do a lot of reading and I kind of keep it open. I don't know how to explain it, but... I don't have any barriers, so I just read everything that I can. Like, war was a little difficult because it sort of tells you a little bit about the human animal when you realize that there are literally 500,000 books written on warfare and about 10 on seduction. Um, And so seduction, I had one problem, was there were no books written on it, so I had to kind of make up my own way of researching it. And war was the opposite. There was like, everybody had written a book about war, the most obscure battle between two tribes in Africa, you know, five volumes. (laughs) And so I had to pick and choose. It it kind of ruined my health, that book. Um, So reading everything about war and strategy, and then slowly narrowing into subjects. So without going on too long about it, what I do is I let the subject tell me what it's about. I don't come in with any preconceptions, you know, sort of like this interview. I don't know what to expect. It could be hell. It could be heaven. But I just let it go and 
kind of work with what's there. And I did those with the books. I just sort of let the subject kind of tell me what to do. Instead of uh, starting with your own theories and then trying to back them up. That's right. I mean, you inevitably have some theories. Like, a, you know, you can't help it. If you were, a, you know, a caterpillar, you wouldn't have any theories, but you're a human being, so mm-hmm. you've read books. So you obviously have something in mind. Mm-hmm. I obviously, when I wrote Mastery, I have an idea in mind, but I try to keep it as wide as possible and let the world sort of tell me what it is. Do you think your theories come more from uh, life experience or, or literature or history? Well, um, it's a mix. You know, this is a mix. It's all kind of one. Um, so, like the 48 Laws of Power, you know, I read a lot. Uh, about, I'll read a lot of history. And then I've had maybe 80, uh, Anna and I have counted, I've maybe had 80 different jobs in my life. One day we actually sat down and counted. You know, I, I did a kind of low-level construction work in Greece. I taught English. I cleaned, washed dishes. I worked in a detective agency. Um, you were a guide. I was a guide. Mm-hmm. You worked in a hotel. I worked in a hotel. You know more. You know all about that. <laughs> anyway, and so in in those experiences, I've experienced every kind of asshole boss, manipulative colleague, idiot who doesn't know how to do anything, and you know other and great people too. Every type of idiot and it's and and asshole. I've known them. Mm. And so when I'm writing the book and I'm reading about Cesare Borgia and Machiavelli and, and King Louis XIV, I'm not just reading about them. I'm thinking about Mr. X, who was just like Louis XIV. And, and so it's all kind of one. Mm. And when I was in Italy uh, in 95, where it was kind of the book was sort of born a little bit, the man who became a book packager for it, my partner. Um, Just. How do you say his name? It's, it's, just think of toast with a Y. Yoast. Excellent. <laughs> Very good. That, what a mind. Merci. Very good. Brilliant. Yoast Elfers, is that his last name? Yoast Elfers. Elfers. Okay. Now, most people say Juiced, which makes me think of Juice, <laughs> which is kind of a hip-hop name. Mm-hmm. So you can call him Juice Elfers if you want. Mm-hmm. But I call him, Yo- he's Yoast. Okay. Um, anyway, um, we were there in, in, in Italy... I'm finishing up my story. Don't worry. I'm not going to... I feel like I'm 80 years old and talking like... Um, we can cut it all out later if you... Oh, yeah. please. Okay. Because um, I remember this dog that I had when I was 11. And <laughs> oh, my and goodness. Was, um, <laughs> anyway, we were at the school in Fabrica where every, it was supposed to be a new media school. Uh, we're going to change the world. You know, this we're going to show people exactly how there's going to be a new order, a new way of thinking, revolution, blah, blah, blah. And in the meantime, there were just all these idiots who were just playing political games. Mm-hmm. And so nothing ever got done. It's kind of how Italy can be sometimes. But it wasn't just it. There were Americans in the group. And so uh, when I was talking, Yost, and telling him my idea, I'm saying, you know, what I read about in, in 16th century Italy and in, in Machiavelli is just the same thing with these eight people at Fabrica. They're just the same. They haven't changed. It's still human nature to bicker and be egotistical and, and try and prove yourself at the expense of others and not get anything done. It's just the same, you know. Mm. Sorry to bum you guys out. No, it's okay. Everything is wonderful. You, your books um, uh, spark a lot of controversy at times. Is that right? Would you say that? Do you mean controversy? 
Oh, what did I say? You said controversy. Um, sorry, uh, I cannot say. Sorry, I cannot pronounce. Okay. One more time, how do you say it? It's all right. Okay. I, get, I get what you understand. What you mean. Okay. Uh, because, uh, like you say, sometimes they expose a, a less attractive oh. nature to the people yes. of the world. Yes. Um, people don't like uh, hearing about this, especially as a seduction book. I think it uh, yes. upsets uh, some folks. We uh, we were talking about uh, an acquaintance of mine who actually tore up the book, the book with his <laughs> hands, because he thought it was corrupting me. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know the, we could go on and on. Uh, I I find it uh, strange or at least interesting that people who object to that book they read it and immediately they. Uh, identify with the with victim. Uh-huh. Why don't they identify with seducer? Everybody should be seducer. Why I I don't understand why people immediately identify with victim. And uh-huh. and should and should they not send you many thank you letters at least for exposing? They do. I do get um, uh, particularly women uh, will write saying thank you. Um, you know, I've had a, a terrible experience with this man who's. Mm-hmm who used everything in your book, and I, and the book really helped me figure out what he was up to. I, I get a lot of emails like that. They're, okay, good. They're very interesting. Occasionally, I get an email that will make me feel bad. I don't deny that. They'll say something like, you know, somebody used your book to just ruin my life, and you're in thank. Is that, is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're telling the truth or not. I, I kind of find there's some... It can't be completely like that, but... Um, you know, I, I, it makes me feel bad if that's the case. But um, I, I, 95% of the emails are, are uh, positive. You know, of course, maybe the people who it's negative don't ever write me. I, don't, I can't say how accurate that is. But um, a lot of people, for all of the books, they say that it's really opened their eyes to how others are manipulating them. And in truth, um, I'm kind of more like that. I, I was sort of a, a, a naive bumbling little simpleton myself um you know i'm not the toughest nail in the in the box i, I forgot i didn't know what to say <laughs> you could, the, no, i'm little. not the well i kind of like that i'm not the i'm not the sharpest nail in the woodshed i don't know what it is um you know so i i'm kind of in my i was dreamy out of college and i get i got manipulated in in hollywood and things like that so i'm actually more on the other end and a lot of people have written saying the book has helped them that way. Have I answered your question? Yes. I don't even remember. <clears throat> no, no, okay. that's exactly, I mean, that's my point. You wait, you found some some reviews of the seductions that had some funny quotes? Um, well, like on Amazon. Yes, I'm not sure if this was for 48 Laws or Seduction. Oh. I think it might have been 48 Laws. Uh, the only problem with this book is, if you're an idiot, it's going to go over your head. Hmm. Uh, I read this quote and it made me laugh because... Um, mm-hmm. I agree with it. I think when people uh, have these, you know, this is one uh, review out of, I don't know, like 700. Oh, really? <laughs> you do not read your reviews or watch your interviews? Or, no. Yeah. Why is that? It's like something you've expelled from your body and you don't want to like. Is that what this it. podcast is like for you? No, 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 no. But um, no, that has nothing to do with it. It's just... Um, I don't know, like, I having right now I have to read the the galleys for the book that I just finished writing, and I just, I can't stand it. I hate looking at my own writing. It's done, and I, I don't want to think about it, and I don't want to look at it. So I never re- read the reviews. 
Um, but occasionally people will send me things kind of maliciously mm. that I'll have to read like somebody did recently. But I'm going to go back to your, your fabulous question. Oh, no, no, wait, what? That sounds good. That sounds... No, 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 just somebody... It's kind of like a weird passive aggression. So this this woman I know sent me a link to somebody in Berkeley, a professor who was like railing on about power and Machiavelli and was talking about the 48 Laws of Power and how it's Dick Cheney's, was Dick Cheney's favorite book. And I know that that's a total lie mm-hmm. because if Dick Cheney read the book, 80 million people would be writing me and say, oh, did you hear this? Did you hear that? And I've never heard, I've heard Fidel Castro, I've heard this actress or whomever you know, Paris Hilton went to prison with the art of seduction. Ooh. I know everybody tells me if the moment Dick Cheney like even glanced at the book, it would be on Twitter, Facebook. So I know this this idiot was making it up, but what I really blamed was this woman sending yeah. it to me. So now I had to get feel all bad for a day. No. Why? Well, you mentioned it, when we had our play interview um, that uh, you there was some interview with Glamour or some other Oi. magazine where. You, under the pretense of wanting to do a, a nice interview with you, mm. she turned it into something bad. So for us, it's kind of like uh, we're trying to think about why this bothers us so much. And, you know, the quote about if you're an idiot, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. It it reminds me personally of um, I've had uh, conversations with otherwise very intelligent people about wrestling. Oh. Where they have to let me know that they know that this is a uh, fake. Uh-huh. They don't actually come right out and say that they know, but they try to get me to say it, you know. And it's something that uh, I think it's quite obvious that wrestling is entertainment. Mm -hmm. And not that your books are just entertainment, but Mm -hmm. they're also not exactly a manual, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could use it as a manual, but Mm -hmm. Art of Seduction, for me, for example, is it's very entertaining. Mm -hmm. But uh, these people, they're not stupid, but they're acting stupid for some reason. And they're taking, they're on the offensive about, your book and about wrestling and stuff like that. They, they feel the need to needlessly outwit you somehow. Is that what this woman did, for example, with the Glamour interview? Uh, well, the, gla- the Glamour interview, um, I think what happened was she, she, her editor had told her that for our readers, we need to make this a book about a, you know something pathological. Okay. And she was too shy to go ahead and say, and she knew that she would probably not get an interview from me or I would be, so she she kind of pretended it to be something else. I'm not mm. sure. I, I, I think of it this way. Um, I don't know if this is exactly what, what you're referring to, but um, people were, not, there was a quote that I have in the seduction book that we like to, we like to imagine that we're descended from angels instead of the primates that we're actually descended from. I mm-hmm. can't remember the woman's name, but she wrote the fabulous book on the Marquis de Sade. She's a really great writer. Anyway, we're descended from primates. We're animals. There's still a, a, a primate part of us. We have a dark side. Every person has a dark side. And the worst are people who just won't admit that they have a dark side. Mm. And everybody manipulates and some people lie more than others, but there's always a tendency within us to, 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 to lie or to, to sort of soften the truth when we deal with other people. And we're just so ashamed of it. We're ashamed. We're not ashamed anymore of, of, of our sexuality or other things like that, but anything about our dark side is, is you know, very verboten. And so um, when the books are written that kind of reveal some of these things, 
I think it it hits a sore spot in some people, not everyone. These are the deniers. I think you've called them before. Did right? I? Yes. Oh. You were in your speech at to a Yale at Yale. Uh-huh. You uh, mentioned three types of uh, <clears throat> people. There's deniers, uh, manipulators who love love being manipulators, and then radical realist. Is that true? Would you say oh. those are the three? I'm I don't sorry. even remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> we. Do you do most of your interviews drunk? Is that is that the problem? <laughs> no, I think what happens is um, uh, I just came through a, a period of write, of working so intensely on a book, mm. and I'm, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. You know, I passed the. I'm not going to say my age. Oh well, I'll we, say. We my know what age. it is. Okay. You want to say it? No, well, okay. you know what it is. Um, so I think I'm like I'm losing a little bit. I don't remember very. You well. were so focused in the speech we both were talking about it because the language of your books is very um poetic in some ways and uh-huh. it's, it's just when you spoke at yale it felt like you were powering through all these specific points that you wanted to get out oh and i don't know and you don't remember any of that oh. <laughs> i love uh, that we are surprising him with definitely <laughs> with who with who he is yes maybe we're oh, making t- it all up i told you i'm i'm, I'm a little bit like pre-alzheimer's right mm. lately um you know, I, I had spent a lot of time writing that speech. So maybe if I heard the context of the deniers, the radical realists and the blah, blah, blahs, I'd know what you're saying. It's but fine. I, it's okay. I, 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 it's not great to have an interview subject who's, who's got kind of Alzheimer's. You like don't. That. It's not possible, though. <laughs> you know, I think it's just that so much information goes into his brain that yeah. it can't retain everything. But, but you have a question about a very interesting question, and that is... I about forgot. the radical realists? Well, yeah, that, that was the third uh, category. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and so uh, well, what it means is that um, there are people who manipulate. Oftentimes, they're not totally aware of it, but people who are passive-aggressive, or et cetera, but usually people are aware of it. And you've got those who are deniers, and those are the ones that usually hate my books. Mm-hmm. They get the most angry about it and upset. And then radical realists are those who kind of just accept people as they are. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel the need to uh, get cynical and say everybody's an asshole, which isn't true. Every, a lot of great, most people have a really good side as well as a dark side. Um, but they just see people as they are. Um, the point I was making, now I remember the Yale speech that I gave. Um, <laughs> the point that I'm making, and I never actually got to in the speech because we ran out of time where I felt my audience was getting a little bit bored, was that uh, we live in a culture that kind of adulates fantasy and imagination i love things like that but actually reality can be is is sort of really interesting um and people who are kind of radical realists and who like looking at human nature and are sort of excited by what they see in the world as it is and not how it you know in some in some fairyland is is actually very poetic it can be very beautiful and poetic and interesting to delve deeply into what people are really like and what nature is like and, 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 and all these other things. And I kind of want to work against the prejudice that people have that reality is something that's ugly. Mm. That was what, thank you. You're welcome. Right. Now you'll remember it. Right. Okay. Bibi, um, can we talk a little bit about the seduction book? Go back to that a bit, because I have some questions. Yes, well, I, do, I have to say what you just finished saying, Robert, or may we call you Bobet? What? But you, you were saying that... Yes. Um, to understand reality is more interesting than making a fantasy, but you're always filtering through your own experiences. So is that really reality or is it... Well, it's not more interesting. Let's just say it's as interesting. Um, 
and you're filtering it through your experience. Yeah, I mean, really, what is reality uh, for, for a human being? You know, I was looking, I'm going to get really philosophical on you guys. I was looking at these squirrels in my backyard today, and I'm thinking, you know, squirrels live in a squirrel world. Mm-hmm. And that That's squirrel cool. world is their reality. And they know nothing else, you know, like chasing other squirrels and f- hiding nuts and... That's their world. And our world is probably to somebody on another planet or somebody of a, of a you know, can see further. We li- we're almost like squirrels. We have our little world. We really don't know what the world is really like because we have our narrow chamber of consciousness or way of thinking. So in truth, yes, everything is filtered. We never have direct access to reality, but there are degrees. And I think... I don't know if, I'm, if I want to pontificate here. Maybe I should just shut up. No, tell us more about the squirreled. The squirrels? Yes. Well, I was just trying to... I'd like to sometimes to imagine what it's like to be an animal because I'm always fascinated with my cat and I'm trying to project myself into his body and, and see how he sees it. And I was just noticing these two squirrels chasing each other. And lately in my backyard, I've had a little bit of a war going on with squirrels because I have an apricot tree oh. and I love fruit. And... We had like 400 apricots on this tree this summer. And last year, the squirrels got every single one of them. And I didn't get one apricot. So this year, I declared war on squirrels. And I, I you know, probably got half of them, and they got the other half. That's good. You know. what, what kind of strategies did you employ? Well, I have many strategies. Um, I scattered on the ground plenty of apricots so that they wouldn't climb the tree and that they would eat the ones on the ground. And those were um, poisoned. No, okay. no, no, no. I mean, the way I say, I have Gelson's and the squirrels don't. Mm. So I can always go buy apricots if I need to. That's and they true. can't. Yes. I don't know where I'm The ones from the tree taste better, yes? <laughs> oh, my, the apricots on my tree are Did you fantastic. buy ones at Gelson's? And They're terrible. Yes. Mm. Do, are those the ones you put on the ground? No, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's becoming but, a very costly <laughs> war. But, but these squirrels were chasing each other, and they're going, <laughs> they kind of chattered each other. I think they were kind of like, it was like a male chasing a female, at least that's what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, you know, what is it like to be a squirrel? You know, and what is your world? And you see the squirrel eyes, and you just deal with the squirrel world. Well, that's just... You know, we're like squirrels, but we have a different world. Well, that's the premises of your book, right? It's a universal ways of, that people act. It's because we are basically, we're just animals and we have right. these ways of surviving. Right. And so that's, that's why these can apply. Your books have been translated to many languages because this really applies all over the world. That's right, yeah. People cannot escape their nature. That's right. But, uh, but it's interesting that you have such specific and um, complicated tactics that you're describing. But really, they're just, you know, they come from people who are animalistic by nature, you know, it's, mm-hmm. we're advanced, but... Uh, do you, do you y- think yeah. that there is another civilization out there who is looking at us like we're crazy and we're wondering what we are thinking? Because um, sometimes I wonder about that. We do seem like... We, next we do a lot of crazy things on this planet. We do, yes. <laughs> Kill each other <laughs> and destroy yes. our environment. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's an interesting question. I mean, I often think about... How do I respond to that? Um, are, you know, there, <laughs> are there aliens? Is what we're asking you. <laughs> well, ever since I I grew up in the in the '60s and then the early '70s in the space race, and I've always been obsessed with outer space. I had a lunch pail when I was six 
that I still remember to this day, and it was an outer space lunch pail with astronauts on some strange planet. I loved that lunch pail. So I've been obsessed with the space race since I was a kid, and I like science fiction and all that. And you saw that I kind of know about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about these things all the time. It's, it's a, another way of thinking about it, but um, sometimes I look at people as if I am an alien mm-hmm. or as if I'm an animal, like you two, you're animals right now and you're kind of pink and you know you have you have noses and mm-hmm. it's kind of strange if you think about it um so i do that exercise sometimes but if you go too far you can kind of go go, go a little bit and say it's like you're on lsd or something mm-hmm. like how would an alien see and, and and i had an interview for my mastery book with this woman temple grandin i don't know if i mentioned that to you before she's the horse lady the horse lady she's autistic and she had a quote in one of her books that she always felt like she was an anthropologist from Mars, hmm. that she was from Mars and she was sitting there studying humans because she didn't understand humans because she is autistic. And I, I kind of related to that. Is she aware of, of her, uh, uh, her limitations or her, what, her, her unique perspective? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Um, she's a very interesting lady. I really enjoyed her because, um, you know, autistic, she was really, a really, really autistic at, two and it looked like she was hopeless and she'd be locked in her head her whole life it's kind of like a Helen Keller story and slowly through some very great speech therapists and people she learned language and then she realized she had this intense identification with animals and so slowly because of her interest in animals she taught herself to read and go to libraries and get interested in science and then she started getting interested in autism itself and she developed a consciousness about the whole thing so she can look at herself and her autism as if she were an outsider and mm-hmm. analyze it and now she's like a full-blown scientist with PhDs and she's brilliant she can study autism both from the outside and the inside and so her insights on the on the uh, disease it's not a disease it's just a different wiring mm-hmm. and she'll be is, is really fascinating because I'm fascinated with um, people who have different perspectives than, 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 Mi- you? than Mitt Romney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't everybody? Do you want to talk more about Masterly? Well, I don't want to. I want to hear your questions and stuff. Am I? Am I? Uh... Well, you did not bring us a copy of the book, so we cannot ask you questions about this one. Oh, oh it's about the Mastery. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, there is no copy yet. Yeah. Um, what, well, what do you want to know? Is it based on a specific number of subjects and what they have mastered, or do you integrate? Well, um, it's sort of a hybrid. I, um, you know, for the 48 Laws of Power, I think I re- read like 400 books to write that research-wise. This one I counted was like about 220. So I did a lot of research and reading books and, then, and, and historical figures who I'm kind of using... Um, like I use in the other books. And then I interviewed nine contemporary people. Who have ma- all mastered? Different fields. Different fields. I made a point of getting uh, men and women, Indians, uh, East Indians, Japanese, Hispanic, every type of person from every type of background in every type of field. And so these are nine very brilliant people. But, you know, one of them is a boxing person. You know, and he has no degrees. And another person is this woman who's probably the, the Einstein of our generation. And, and then I just throw it all into a bag and kind of uh, create a mashed potato sort of thing out of it. It does not sound as controversial as the other books. 
there's plenty of controversy um, because I'm kind of ranting at people a little bit. About what? About people's stupidity. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, there's a little bit of an anger edge to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some controversy. Yeah, there is. Because I'm saying, you know, I'm saying I have a whole chapter on creativity and I'm trying to debunk what people normally think about creativity. Oh. Which is? Well, I'm trying to show that, um, you know, like with you guys with wrestling and as I said last time I saw you, I consider you seasoned entertainers, mm-hmm. you know? With the hands of, going, with the little uh, quotes. Yes. yes. You know, <laughs> kind of like Milton Berle or, or Lady Gaga or whatever. You're sort of seasoned oh, entertainers. Merci. Well, you know, how you, you now at your level where you, with the wrestling, uh, how many years have you been doing it? It's going to be 10. Well, justement, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you are now is not where you were 10 years ago, is it? No. You have a whole other kind of mindset. Yes. It maybe isn't as fresh, which is another problem, but uh, there, you, there's an element that you've reached, a, 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 an expertise, a, um, a feel for it. A mastery? A no. mastery. You are master wrestlers. We. Oui. No, you are. Um, that you didn't have when you were first... Go- well, when you, if, if you were wrestlers for 20 years... You know, God, I, I'm sure you don't want to, but if you were, you know, you would reach this level where you have a feel for it. It's like inside of you, and you have a knowledge that's so greater, and then you're able to be much more creative with it because, mm-hmm. because of this feel and this mastery of the subject. And so I'm trying to debunk the idea that being creative is just a matter of just being who you are <laughs> and kind of, you know having a, a joint and just riffing and, and anybody can do it kind of thing. Just, you know, hitting at people's laziness, like there, you know. Well, this culture with, with the internets, Oi. it kind of fosters the ideas that you can do whatever you want and just put it up. And exactly. you're, you're qualified to do that. You can put up a video, a song, or whatever. Right. Or, or you're a comic, you can tweet about, you know, little one-liners and all that stuff. Right. Is that... Uh, is that what motivates you, or are you looking at specific people? Or Well, that's part of it. I mean, some of that is good because it means it's opened up to everyone, and, and you guys can do your podcasts, and, and everyone has... It's, uh, the democratizing thing is good. I think mm. it's good. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that the human brain... Um, I, I, I have a lot in this book about our most primitive ancestors. I'm sort of obsessed, and I did a lot of research on what our ancestors were like four million, three million years ago and how the brain developed early, early on. And I'm sort of making the point that the, that millions of years have passed as humans with a certain kind of brain that developed very clearly. And to think that, you know, now with the internet, you can just throw all that away. <laughs> you can throw five million years of how the brain actually operates because you have an iPhone. That's where I'm like being uh, you know an old man on a mountain kind of screaming at people so that's the only controversial edge well because uh, nobody could achieve what you've achieved by just uh, writing for you know picking up a pen and i'm sorry typing on your ipad uh, for <laughs> six months like it's impossible the kind of thing is that 
you, you mean take that all, into account? Or you... you mean it's all about me? <laughs> no, I mean, it's got to come from... A, well, you use the word anger, and I don't think you would be that connected to... Mm. You, it probably That emotion might not uh, rile you up on a personal mm-hmm. emotional level. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit, but it's more like um, I'm a little bit worried uh, about the world, and I'm thinking about things like, will people know how to build a bridge? Mm. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Some of these, like, have you, have you seen the movie Idiocracy? It's, oh, yes. It's uh, one of our favorite movies. <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies. That's yes. sort of my worry, that that's kind of the world we're headed to, you know, not 400 years, but like 40 years from now. But um, just because <laughs> everyone is given a voice, though, it doesn't mean that, I mean, the peop- the smart people are probably but even more. Sp- there are statistics now about how many people are going into um, engineering and math mm-hmm. and that type of stuff as opposed to how many people are going into the arts mm-hmm. not that going into the arts is bad but it's it, the numbers are shifting and so in which direction uh, into the arts and not a lot of people are interested into i know so there will be a problem in the coming <laughs> years because there'll be a lot of uh, poets and <laughs> you know people uh, is this all over the world or just america no, it's america specifically uh, not not in india not no no in no. China. no specifically here <laughs> but in america we're suffering economically and this is yes. the arts is no way to make money and people still choose to go in that direction yes they do you know because uh, nobody's celebrating you know your ability to to build a bridge you know mm-hmm. but they're celebrating uh, ability to i'm sorry i've been watching uh, through the wormhole and there are some uh, celebrity scientists out there. okay but not enough not enough that it would make people choose to be a mathematician. Okay. Yes, it's a huge problem, and it's specifically it America. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I've, I've, read, I've heard the same thing. Yeah, so. Yeah. And it keeps me up at night a little bit. It's scary. It is a little bit. Um, besides which, if you actually take the time to master something, whether it's music or being uh, wrestlers or whatever, it becomes actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It becomes a, a very pleasurable feeling, um, a kind of a sense of power, you be, your mind operates on a different level. And so I want to make it f- people realize that there's actually a greater pleasure to be had from it not being so distracted and, and needing constant diversion every 30 minutes that actually you have a, a m- much more fun if you, when you actually master the music or a science or whatever. You're never bored, you know? I'm never bored. So um, that's, that's also a point in the book. Although you are in the arts, which is not engineering or uh, math. But what does that mean? It means that you have a fun job. Oh, it's a discipline job, though. It is a discipline job. Uh, yeah, it's not so, you know, um, you know I, I'm alone a lot. I don't, uh, I don't, when I'm working, I don't do anything else. It's not all fun and games. And yeah, I'm not an engineer. That's true. But, you know, like I, when I interviewed these people, like there's this woman that I interviewed um, she's a robotics engineer, and um, she's creating robots, <laughs> not robots. Oh. She's creating robots um, that are kind of are human in the sense that that she's figuring out the connection between the hand and the brain mm-hmm. and how it's wired, so she can create a robot that simulates the connection between a, a that simulates our neurology. Mm-hmm. Very dry subject. You think what could be more awful than electrical engineering and all that stuff but she's i could tell she, you know she's having such an exciting time you know so i don't have to be an engineer to extol the virtues of, of being and i'm hoping that a lot more women get into science um because um 
I think uh, men in science can tend to be kind of autistic and don't have a sense of the larger picture. And the women that I've interviewed in sciences, they have a much better feel. They're, they have a little more, um, I don't know what the word is, it suddenly left me. You know? A feminine something. No, I don't want to use that kind of crap. A ladylike. <laughs> yeah. well, no, they have more of a sense of um, Overly context. emotional? Uh, yeah. Hysterical? Yeah. Let's be honest, though. You have already admitted to us uh, that you like geeky girls. So, oui. Oui? so I think that's Geeky. really what it is. You want to have a widen your pool of ladies that you can have clashes on. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. But what, where are you going with that? I'm not. Are you trying to say <laughs> that I'm a freak? That's absolutely not what I was trying to say. Is, okay. Are you trying to say you're a freak? Well, no. If, to me, I feel like I'm normal. But um, I remember, for instance... Wait, you like ladies with brains? That's, that seems awfully strange to me. I know. There's a, there's a scene in um, The Big Sleep, the Humphrey Bogart movie. I'm sure you've seen it, right? It's a great movie. Oh, you love... Even, it you came love. out before we were born. Yes. <laughs> okay. That means you can't see it? No. Yeah. Um, it's, a, I was, it's a classic L.A. F- film. You have to, it's so much fun to watch. I will watch it. Okay. Uh, it's with Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart, and mm-hmm. he's a detective. It's based on the Raymond Chandler novel. And he goes into this library because it's raining, and, he's, and he'd already been in the library before, and there's this librarian, and she's, she's got her glasses on, and she's really pretty. And he's in there, and it's raining, and she's kind of got a crush on him. And, and he pulls out his flask of whiskey, and they're starting to drink together, and she turn, closes the shade down as if the, the shop is now closed, and they're going to start kissing and stuff. And he kind of asks her to take off her glasses and let down her hair. And now he sees her as like this beautiful woman. And for me, she's like so much more beautiful with her glasses on. She looks really exciting with her glasses on. Oh, wow. Is that the original mm. glasses off, shake out the hair scene? Yeah, okay. well, that's probably the most classic one. Wow, all right. And, you know, and she's a librarian, no less, or a bookseller or something. Yeah, I shut you up there, didn't I? You sure did. <laughs> Oh, um, time to regroup. Okay. Does this bring, bring, you back, bring us back to seduction, which you, you wanted to talk about? I did. I wanted to know uh, if you could tell us what category of seducer you think that uh, we would fall into. Or categories. Mm. Also, we know that you do not do consulting without... A uh, sizable fee. And you're not that interested in that anymore. Is that true? You used to do one-on-ones, but now you're... I do them occasionally depends on if the people interest me mm-hmm. you know yeah we've only had one wrestling match this week so we're a little low on funds we cannot uh, oh if you choose to answer this question i'm sorry we have no money for you <laughs> that's all right <laughs> well this isn't really a, like a consult you're not asking no. me to to solve your 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 love life or no, no, or, no. or you know I, I can't imagine it's going to be too complicated so well, what's the question? The question is, uh, if you could tell us what... Uh, there's uh, different categories of seducer. In the books, Art of yes. Seduction. Mm. And um, what, You want to tell what they are? Well, there's like the siren, the rake, the ideal lover, the dandy, the natural, the coquette, the charmer, the charismatic, the star. We have... Uh, and the anti-seducer. You, yeah. We will get to we that. Love, uh, yes. which that's all, that might be my favorite chapter in the book. But um, You identify with that one? No, but I think that every person should read that chapter because there are... Uh, if you're going to read one part of the book, read that <laughs> oh, part. Okay, okay. You know, in exchange, and we have no money for you, but in exchange we can tell you which one we think you are. Yes. 
bulb. Wow. How can I turn that down? <laughs> that is irresistible. Um, well, um, alors. You have a dandy side, and that'll probably surprise you guys. Yes. Yes. Did not um, know that. Dandy is a kind of uh, psychological transgenderism. Mm-hmm. So it's not men wearing women's clothes and women wearing suits and ties. It's in the brain. It's like, so there's a, a woman with a slight masculine edge and a man with a slight feminine edge, and it, their brains are crosswired a little bit. I detect some of that in you guys. It's because we glass on? A little bit. Mm-hmm. And then coquette. Of course. Yeah, hot or cold. Wow. Or can you be both? One time somebody wrote to me uh, <laughs> saying, um, and, the, and the subject line in their email was, how to warm up a cold croquette. <laughs> and I said, well, I was going to write, I was tempted to say, put it in the toaster oven and it'll be just fine. <laughs> Um, so you're not cold croquettes. Um, yeah, you'd be the you'd be the the hot and cold type. Yes, yeah. is that true? Because I feel um, like I'm just cold. I oh. don't feel that I'm a hot co- oh, croquette. Okay. That would be my initial guess. Oh, um, I don't mind hot co- croquette. I like hot and cold. I just mm. always assumed I was just the cold one. I don't know you well enough. Okay, okay. You uh, could not tell uh, by her dusting. <laughs> um, I don't think you're you're the total you know cold croquette cold am, coquette. Am I like a lukewarm coquette or? No, coquettes can't be lukewarm. No? That sort of that sort of doesn't work. <laughs> you know. Is it boring coquette? It's just it's just not even it's not even a croquette. Okay. It's you've got to be hot and you got to be cold. You can't be kind of tepid and tepid. All right. All and right. it doesn't really work. I got it. <laughs> Stakes are low in that case. Yes. So that would be my uh, my first guess. A dandy slash coquette. Yeah. Which one did we decide that uh, Robert was? The charmer. Yes, the charmer. No, <laughs> oh, look, look at that face. face. <laughs> it's not a charming face. Is, you don't like that? <laughs> Which one did you want? To, oh, the, the other option was the like. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be better. The charmer is kind of is kind of someone with not much sexual. No. Oh, it does say right there. Charm is seduction without sex. Okay, so. But uh, you know, um, I don't really think of myself that way. Okay. But you know better than me, actually. It's, you got to let other people. So if you want to diss me that way, I no, have, I, I didn't have to mean sort it of, as an insult. I sort of have to just go with. Is it. there one that's very sensitive? Is there a very sensitive one? <laughs> the crier, no. <laughs> the big baby, the aging baby. I'm the aging baby. I think there is a victim type called the aging baby. That's no. So maybe you're the lake. Would you say the lake is more like you? That's what I was. Okay. Yeah. Was? What happened? Well, I've I've been in a relationship. I'm a reformed rake. You can still have the exciting characteristics to keep your yes. relationship uh, alive uh, oui, and oui, 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 dangerous. Oui, That's right. You wouldn't still be in a relationship if you're not some rakeish, like esque, right? Uh, yeah. No, you have to keep her interested. Mm-hmm. Where, what is Anna? Anna's definitely a dandy. Really? Oh, we. And, um, you know, maybe part siren. But dandy would be the, the, the main thing. Not a star? And a star, that's right. Okay. A dandy and a star, you're right. Okay. But of course. So to talk about the anti-seducer, uh-huh. it really is my favorite part of the book. I think everybody should read it. And why is it your favorite part? It's my favorite because a lot of people 
exhibit these qualities all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even see myself in it, of course. Everybody does some of these things sometimes. But there's just basic things in here that would make you a better person to talk to and oh, friend. And that that's a good stuff. point. Yes, yes, I agree. And we've also identified some of our exes in here. Which yes, is we were waiting. Which one was we? The, the windbag is somebody that <laughs> I... <laughs> I feel like I'm being a bit of a windbag. <laughs> not at all. Uh, not this at all. is an interview. <laughs> it's the point of it is to talk about yourself. <laughs> it's better if you're speaking. It's <laughs> <laughs> windbag is a... Lots of people in Los Angeles, I find, are windbags. Is that right? You is don't it? find that? What about people I in Santa Monica? Yeah. <laughs> Santa Monica? Windbags? They're just assholes. They're just <laughs> douchebags. <laughs> they're not windbags. They're douchebags. Yeah, different kind of bag. Um, uh, <laughs> but... Um, uh, windbags in LA? Probably. They're, everyone is just so self-absorbed. Well, the, my favorite sentence okay. here is, they have never acquired that inner voice that wonders, am I boring you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That could be a, a neurological problem though, couldn't it? I An don't Asperger's know. Uh, style? No, no, no. I think no. most, mm. I, I've had so many conversations with people where they're just waiting for me to finish my sentence. That, yeah. So they can say their own... Uh, story or Robert was about to interrupt you I know no 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 no. Uh, yeah it's an irritating thing when you feel like the other person is just waiting to say what they want to say and they're not really listening to you I have I do that sometimes I'm aware of it we all do that we're all guilty of that Mm, the tightwad is a good um, is a good one too because it's not just uh, financial tightwadness right it's a could be spiritual or emotional yes very much so yeah yes so those those are fascinating to me, and like I said, I think it should be required reading. Mm-hmm. We d- we decide that there's a characteristic called uh, or anti seducer called the Eeyore. It's the kind of person you talk to, and they just say nothing but uh, depressing, negative things, and I think it's meant to draw you in, right? And feel sorry for them. You know a person like this? <coughs> Many. Yes. And what, oh, um, what did they do? Well, give me examples. <sighs> Eeyore was from Winnie the Pooh. Yes. What would he do? I can't remember. He was a, a sorry sack of shit. Uh-huh. A Debbie Downer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder if, if this would fall in more into the power book. It's, it's p- self-defeating human beings. Mm-hmm. It would fall into all of the books. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It would fall into, like, you know, life. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the 50th Law has a lot about that. You know, uh, I'm going to be... I ordered some new books, not that this should be on the tape, and they didn't come in time, so I'll, I'll leave them on your doorstep or something, one not midnight or something <laughs> like that. Um, but the 50th Law is um, kind of a riff uh, on, on fear and how people's their own attitude just kind of ruins their life. Mm. And so, you know, you're, the way you look at the world can sort of change many many things oh yes and so um you know there are people who choose to be fearful and miserable and see the negative and everything in the book there's a chapter on on how everything negative can be twi- turned around and seen as a positive Do you, what is and the name of that chapter well um um Maybe so don't ask him about is this something he's done in the past. <laughs> it's <laughs> embarrassing when you, when you can't remember. <laughs> um, there's a, ch- I think it's chapter nine, but now I can't remember the title of it. It'll come to me. It's my Alzheimer's, my convenient excuse that mm-hmm. I'm coming up with. Um, the gist of it is, um, is that it's a it's a chapter about people have a fear. No, it's it's an earlier chapter. It's not chapter nine. It's about people have a fear of any kind of negative circumstance 
or obstacles. So they try and make their life so easy and they get they over, they blow up any sort of possible obstacle in their path. And and I show through 50 and through many examples how actually you know, uh, if you're fired, it's probably a blessing because the boss, you know, you were in a terrible job. And it's, it's how you, you know, if you look at it that way, all these other sort of, oh, it's called, I know, I remember. <laughs> it has, it's, it's a title that's not. Um, that you came up with yourself, right? No, it's a title that comes from 50 and it's not my most poetic title, but it's called Turn Shit Into Sugar. Oh, that's what beautiful. I thought it was. <laughs> I just want to hear you say it. Oh, okay. I think it was chapter four, something like that. Sorry, I couldn't remember. I was drawing a blank. So, uh, you know, it's turn water into wine, turn whatever, dross into gold. You know, everybody has that expression. You know, I, I, I like to practice that as much as I can because I'm a Jew. And Jews have very negative, sometimes negative outlook on life. Not negative, but we tend genetically to see the dark side of everything. And, you know, my mom can be like that. And so I have to work at it, you know, to like not be like that. Do you think that's only after the genocide? And by the way, I don't subscribe to any of these Jewish stereotypes that Jews seem to have about themselves. Well, you're not a Jew, (laughs) so it's easy for you to say. Anyway, Jews have a, yeah, the Holocaust. And, you know, it's, there's something true about it. What do you mean? Yeah, so that that was just my thing about sad sacks. And you guys know a lot of sad sacks. Well, not a lot. I know. I think uh, in Los Angeles, the there's um, the drive to be successful can be very intimidating. So I mm-hmm. think a lot of people who do not find that uh, oh, yeah. uh, success, they want to blame a lot of oh yeah what's out there. So oh, you know, a lot of people like that are fair. Some I don't know. I mean, I think we've kind of gotten rooted them out of our lives, but uh, you yeah. come across it. It's not unheard of here. Yeah. Oh, people yeah. are not content with where they are in life. Are you guys content with where you are? Look, we are here interviewing uh, Robert Greene in, uh, in yes. our living room. How do we think? not? <laughs> what is that eye roll? <laughs> you saying we are not successful? <laughs> no, no, no. But I just seem like a kind of a buttering up sort of reply. Of course. <laughs> well, yes. It is a manipulation of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the I'm way, sorry, uh, we will give you our tactic of our podcast. It is to butter up our guests. <laughs> <laughs> it is more fun that and way. And then to put them in the, in the toaster. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious guests. So, well, we have one more, but uh, should we wrap it up instead? Yeah. You can ask one more question, as long as it's a softball. Uh, do you want to collaborate with us on a book? <laughs> 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 we have an idea about uh, two twins, a perspective of two twins. Uh huh. Yes. Who grew up in uh, Saint Etienne, France, and wrestled their way to America. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, we have a. Maybe it's not the hard look story that uh, 50 has, but I think uh-huh. it's different enough and similar to your story that you could also make connection with us. Uh-huh. What would it be called? It would be called the... Uh, the 20th Law. The 20th? Yes. The no? 20th Law. Oh, that's interesting. No, it's not. Um. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather collaborate on a book on warfare with you guys. Mm. That was sort of what the, we originally had thought about. Yeah. What, now, what was the, the plan for that one? What was the pitch for that one? You guys were going to meet famous political figures and generals. Mm-hmm. We were, were going to you know, take you around the world and you would meet them and interview them. With the French made dresses. Yes. yes. And uh, we would just figure it out from there. You, you know, just see what happens. Yeah. I forget and we would mix military strategy with everything else, you know. And, and, uh, um, I don't know. I'd figure it out. What happened to this? Because we discussed this maybe five years ago and it did not come to be. I don't know. 
You got distracted by 50 I Cent? Did, I did, yes. 50 yeah. Cent more important than us? <laughs> yes. I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, he a, a, carries a little more weight than you guys. Well, now mm. we have careers at po- as but podcasters. Maybe, yes. Does that not entice you a little bit more? Are you serious about this book? Or are you, you, you have to do a little, tell me a little bit more about what it would be. Well, we're going to draw a business proposal for you. Or maybe we could, uh, we, could pull a, <laughs> we could pull a Ryan Holiday and just do our own book. Wow, you know about Ryan. Well, I read that he has a book and that oh, oui. he was your protege. No? Well, well, sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good book. It'll be a, a, it's all exposing, uh, you know, all the crap on the internet. Uh, well, what about like a, like a reality show or something like that or um, a children's book or poetry or... Poetry. Uh-huh. No reality show. No. Uh-huh. I mean, like sorry. the tree. One morning we awake in the... Is this the, the honey wagon you're referring to? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to figure out, kind of get a sense of what kind of poetry you guys could do. I mean, like nature poetry. Sure. Okay. Well, I think we've, uh, we've made a deal. Okay, good. We end on a higher note. Yes. <laughs> you call that? We've made a deal. <laughs> well, I think we have it recorded that you want to do a book with us. I <laughs> did. I see. Okay. Yes. yes. We can end so. on that note because I want to get out of here with my life and with my all my pieces to, in one place. Well, but thank you so much for uh, coming to us today. Mon plaisir. Mm. Please say hello to Anna. Uh, oui, 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 bien sûr. We we are very excited. He brought us a war. Oh, we. Oui, oui, Fifi oui, oui. is going out of her nut right now. She cannot wait. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Karl von Clausewitz in there and, and things like the culminating point of victory. You're, you're going to salivate. She is right now. Is, is Ro- <laughs> Do you talk about Rommel? I talk about Rommel and I talk about Fingerspitzengefühl. Oh. I have like six pages on Fingerspitzengefühl. Oh, this is excellent. I cannot wait. <laughs> Let's get, you want to get to it right now? I do, yes. Right. I can't wait. <laughs> well, Bear, thank you for coming by. Mon plaisir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Bonne nuit. <laughs>